find me Don't be scared of yourself Don't be scared of me Don't be scared of yourself Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where a couple of friends sit around and discuss healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley, how are you? I'm good. I'm great tonight, Dawn. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So, I just got an update, and I can finally give an update about the work situation we discussed several weeks ago. Okay. So, the reason I can finally discuss it is because I just got confirmation that I will be starting at my new job on Monday. Congrats! Thank you. I actually read a research article a few weeks ago and then had a client talk to me about it a few days ago also. It's called angry applying or resentful applying, and it is one of the number one ways to get a better paying job. Angry or resentful applying. Do do I have that correct? Angry or resentful applying? Yes. And the reason this article, and I I don't remember where I read it from, um, but the reason according to this article said was because when you are angry, therefore applying to other jobs when you're angry with your job you're just randomly applying like like screw it i'm not qualified for this i'm gonna apply anyways because i want to get out of here so when you do that you take more chances than a person typically would and are much more likely to find a better job that you didn't think you qualified for wow that's interesting like i've i've read articles where Right, men get better jobs than women do because men are willing to take more chances than women. Right, um, right? I've heard those kinds of studies, but that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to actually, I'll look that up. So curious. the reason this is so interesting is because that is exactly what I did. So there was a day, as it stood, I'm trying to think where I left off last time. Uh, I believe the last time I left off, there were several HR statements Um, about the general manager and the grooming manager. After those HR statements went through, the grooming manager, who basically was bullying employees beneath her, trying to bully employees on the floor, as well as um, being very aggressive with dogs. I don't know if I would... I want to say I don't know if I, I was going to say. I was going to say I don't know if I would call it, go so far as to call it abuse. But at the same time, when I start to say that, I want to correct myself and say when you are physically hitting a dog because you don't like their behavior, that is the definition of abuse. So it was abuse. So she did not get terminated because of those seven HR statements and the video and the bullying and the abuse of animals. She actually just got wrote up. And the following week when I went into work, she verbally assaulted. She came up from behind me. I was sitting down at a computer and she came up from behind me and she was screaming and cursing and standing over top of me. I stood up and moved around the counter and then got my boss, the general manager, involved. And when that happened, she turned around to another employee in the grooming salon, one of her employees, which happened to be my daughter, and started screaming and cursing at her. Um, In the end of all of this, it got very volatile on her end. I did lose my temper. But I don't think I went too far. I don't, I didn't, right, I didn't say anything I regret. I didn't yell or scream or, when I say I lost my temper, I I mean I responded to her. Um, So anyways, in the end of that, she quit. She walked out, she quit. She was not terminated. In the midst of all of that stuff happening, and her yet again not being terminated, waiting to find out whether or not she was actually coming back because she had quit four times previously. I, angry, resentful, and I got a job offer. It is not training dogs. It actually is not working with animals at all. But the pay is, I mean, it's like having a second full-time job, the increase in pay. The benefits are amazing. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a really good thing. 
Um, I am very torn because obviously I really love what I do. I just think that I, right, I just can't remain within the company where the integrity was violated so much. Um, I don't trust them. I don't feel safe with them. And one of the two main people I had an issue with is still there doing what he was doing already, still doing what he was doing before. And then the other person, again, I say she quit, which tells me that the company supports what she did because they wouldn't get rid of her because she brought in too much money. Unfortunately, if her clients knew what she did, that she wouldn't bring in that kind of money, you know? Right. So anyways, that's the update. The entire company, this particular location is losing. So here's a little more of an update, I guess. So I put my notice in along with, let's see. um, I'm just going to count. I don't want to say any names or people. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. At this moment, 11 employees um, have put in their notice. And of those 11, seven have already left. Wow. The rest of us finished this week. If that doesn't speak volumes, um, I don't know what will. 11 employees in a 15-employee store, or maybe 20 max if we were fully fully booked, you know. And 11 of us, more than half of the store has left in the last three weeks because of this specific issue. And what's interesting is the person quit. So it's clearly not about the person that quit. It's about the way the store is ran. This has very quickly gone from doing what's best for pets doing what's best for animals and teaching people how to do what's best and what is best to what makes the most profit, right? And it's a business, right? This is a store. This is not a veterinarian's office. This is not a specialty office. This is a store. So a store's job is to make money. Unfortunately, this is, I'm not going to be a part of it. Right. right. Unfortunately for them. Fortunately for me, unfortunately for them, because it is a loss. Um, yeah. I've, I've spent the last week telling all of my clients that I'm leaving and dealing with that aspect of it. And it hasn't been easy. It's definitely a loss. Well, I think it's better in the long run, right? I, I'm very positive for this. I'm very excited to see what can come of this. So I have a question for you that's going to kind of lead into what we're going to talk about tonight um you know this whole thing with the angry um applying one of the things and we've talked about it so many you know in a few different podcasts about what's the difference between like thinking logically and feelings and how i mean i know you angrily applied however i also know you to know well enough to know that you didn't just wake up one day and apply like right it wasn't a right so how did you work through this whole logically i know this is not right and i can't can stay i can't stay here versus this is fucking messed up and i'm out (laughs) right okay right well and there's several components to this right so logically i have children to support I have people that financially rely on me. I have animals. I have a home. I have financial responsibilities that require me to have a paycheck to pay those bills. I am not of a financial point where walking out and just losing my mind and quitting was an option. So that was very, very much forefront in my mind. Financial responsibilities come first. If I don't have a roof over my head, then I don't... I cannot possibly de-stress if I don't have a place to sleep, um, at least for me. So that was forefront in my mind. The second was to, instead of tying that logical and emotional together, which is typically what I want to do, in this situation, I had to separate that logical and emotional, right? Because the emotional mind wants to take over. So emotionally... I'm dealing with this situation where this woman, this adult woman, is standing behind me screaming, cursing, and yelling at me, and I am an adult woman. We are, like, I'm almost 40, and she is over 50, 
So we're not talking about teenagers here, right? So emotionally, I wanted to get angry. I wanted to jump up. I wanted to get in her face. I wanted to scream back. I wanted to defend myself. But logically, I had to pull apart, right? I had to separate my brain from my emotions in that moment and say, I am an adult. I do not need to act with my emotions. I need to think about my behavior and I need to be professional. I was able to do that in that moment. Now, typically, I don't want to separate the logic, right? Normally, what I find is that I know this logically, but I don't feel it emotionally. Or I feel it emotionally, but I don't know it logically, right? So a lot of times I find emotionally, I feel like I need to pull back or I'm, I, something is telling me to stop. I'm, I don't want to use the word scared because a lot of times when I'm scared, that's more, I need to face it. How do I want to say this? So like normally I want to pull, like, like I know something logically, but I don't feel it emotionally. So for example, I know I need to forgive Nick for the things that he did 10 years ago. I know that logically. But emotionally, I, I may not feel that forgiveness. And how do I feel the forgiveness that I know I need to have? That's where it gets really hard for me. It's funny that you went straight to the past because when I was jotting some things down today um, that were popping in my head, very first one is with my past. I think the same thing goes for me. When I look at my past, even, you know, we've talked about our mothers and our childhood, and we are logically, we know this. Our mothers did the best they could with what they knew at the time. However, that's very different than my feeling that I was not given what I needed as a child. Absolutely. So how do we go about making it, logically I know this, I accept it, I'm, I'm aware of it, but also in kind of like meshing them together where it's okay I have these feelings of abandonment, of feeling less than the, the fear, the shame, right? All of those things. How do we go about intertwining them so it, we can get it on the same path? Can we even do that? Oh, I think we can. I definitely, I mean, right, the, that's the connection that we need to have between our logical and emotional is, is to have them on the same path. Um, and the example that you used is readily for me to, to use as an example because I've just done this in the last few podcasts here, right? So, Mom, I love you. You are my best material for this. <laughs> um, so, logically, I know my mother did the best she could with what she had. I absolutely know that my mother did her best. I have known that my entire life. Um, not my entire life. I think when I was about 18, um, and my daughter was, gosh, she was like six months old. She cried so bad some nights. And there was just this night where I was just at my wit's end and I went out, I just put her in her crib and I went outside. But my husband at the time, he couldn't handle it. And he went in and he grabbed the crib and he just screamed, shut up, as loud as he could. And it worked. She stopped crying because she was absolutely terrified. But then he broke down crying because I just flipped out on this innocent baby because she was crying and I couldn't figure out what she needed. In that moment, I understood that even though I was not happy with how my mom behaved as a child, it was the best she could do because I knew he did not want to do that to her. I could see that all over his face. I didn't want to feel like I couldn't even look at this innocent baby all because she had cried for six hours. But when you hear that noise for six hours straight, that is exactly how I felt. Right. Like, I just need to get the hell away from this kid. So in that moment, when I felt all of that shame and guilt and awful because of how I felt towards my own child, I knew then logically 
that my mom did the best she could, even if it wasn't good enough. Now, emotionally, I still had resentment for her. I was still angry. I was still victimized, right? I still took those behaviors, um, the way her relationship and I, and her and I's relationship was, I still took that personally. Um, I still felt as though she did that to me. That kind of goes against saying she did the best she could, right? It does. And that's why this topic is so interesting. Because it's almost like a yin and yang type situation. Right. So how did I get to the point to where emotionally I felt, I feel, that she did the best she could at the time? And the answer to that was I I understood. I came to an understanding of what she went through. So I opened my mind and my heart to her childhood to her hurt and her loss and the idea of how could this possibly have been the best she could do when it wasn't even close to the best I could do. And to be able to distinguish that they were so different because of what she had, right? I can see how horrible the things she did were Because I didn't have what she had. Because she gave me so much better than she had. Had she not given me better than she had, I wouldn't be able to see what even better than what she gave looked like. And I guarantee you that my daughter is going to do better than I did. Because I gave her better than I had. So she's going to do better than she got. Your mom's relation, your and your mom's relationship, very much like mine, mo- mine and my mom's, has evolved, especially with the changes that we have made with ourselves. Yeah. Really, the reason is because we made the changes to ourselves, right? It kind of just is this domino effect. When we look at ourselves, we make changes within ourselves, things kind of just fall into place. Well, yeah, my relationship with every single person around me that I interact with has changed dramatically. So, does your mom ever still trigger you at times? Yes. Because nobody's saying that. Let me rephrase that. Okay. So, does my mom still say or do things that five years ago I would have been triggered by? Yes. She still says some of the same things. She still does some of the same things that I would have been triggered by when I was 28 or 29 or 30. None of the same things she said or did when I was a child, right? She has grown majorly since then. I want to put that out there. However, uh, the same thing she would have done 10, 15 years ago, sometimes she does say and do those same things. However, because of my growth, because of my changes, because of my awareness, I no longer react to those triggers, to those things in the same way. Therefore, she doesn't trigger me anymore because I don't, I don't react to those triggers. Does that make sense? It does make complete, complete sense. And the only, for me, the reason it makes complete sense is because it's how I feel with my mother. Um, And so for me, when my mom still if you want to put air quotes, triggers me. When I hear, when she says or does something that makes my body feel a certain way, because that's really what it is. I feel it in my body first and foremost. Like So I want you to finish what you're going to say, but I want to get back to that when they trigger us, when they say or do something that make my body feel. I want you to finish what you're going to say, but I want us to jump back to this when you're done. Okay. When I, I, like you, I don't let it go to where it went before. Because, and I think that's what I'm, it's my logic and my feelings have kind of like crossed over. Where when I feel that in my body, that's my feeling. But I also can, at the same time, can logically think, Dawn, 
you don't have to react about this. You have choices. You can get out of the situation, right? I can take myself out of the situation and leave. I can hang up the phone if I'm on the phone with her. I can, I can set a boundary with her. I can say, mom, that is something, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with that. Mom, I don't want to talk about that. I now can logically grab the tools I need to be able to handle the feelings that I have. So our, our changes, our growth, our recovery, our healing, our, our awareness and consciousness of our reactions and our emotions and our thoughts has allowed us to react differently to things that would have triggered us in the past. Without a shadow of a doubt. Right. With that being said, things that would have triggered us in the past is very important the way that we say this, right? Because my mom didn't trigger me. No. My mom didn't make me feel anything. I allowed myself to feel. Or what I like to say, because I don't think I control my feelings, right? In my opinion, I am not in control of my feelings. I am in control of my actions. My feelings come, I feel them, I choose what to do with them. Right. Not in control of them. So I don't, nobody can make me feel anything. I can't even make myself feel anything. I don't choose when to be happy or sad. It just kind of happens. I can feel it and choose to act differently, but I don't, I don't make myself feel anything. And if I can't make myself feel anything, then nobody else can make me feel anything either. Right? So my mom can't trigger me. I can be triggered, but she's not the one pressing the trigger, right? Like, so her behavior causes me to feel something. And then when I feel something, my body reacts, my brain reacts, and I do something. The only thing she can be blamed for is her actions. She cannot be blamed for how I feel about right. them. Because she doesn't control my feelings. She doesn't know how I'm going to feel. It is not up to her to guess how I feel. I do not want anyone to pick up a phone and go, I wonder if I call Ashley and say this, it's going to make her lose her shit. Like, I, I don't, like, no one can think about how I'm going to feel, guess how I'm going to feel, and or hold themselves accountable for my feelings. And if they can't do that, then I can't do that for theirs either. And, and if I can't do that for theirs, if I can't make Nick angry, then my mom can't make me angry. She can do a crappy thing. He can do a crappy thing. I can do a crappy thing. And we can choose to be angry about it. But they didn't make me angry. I just am angry. You know, another area that I kind of the flip here, we're talking about us being children, but let's flip it around with my children. I logically know I was an amazing parent. I logically know that I supported my children and did my job to the best of my ability and that helped them get to the place they are today. Did I do that for them? No, they did that work very much on their own with my support. However, there are times and we've had the mom guilt podcast, I struggle with those feelings that I did not do a good enough job. Of course. And it's just another way that I was thinking of how logic and feelings can impact the way, can impact, like the different areas of our lives, the different relationships we have, logic and feelings apply in all of them. Right. And, and, and also like where logic and feeling can be total opposites of each other, right? Right. Like, so logically, I know, like you said, I know I was an absolute wonderful mother. I know that I am an absolute wonderful mother. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am every single day doing the absolute best I can every day. I also feel like I didn't do enough. Mm -hmm. I also feel like I should have done more, like I should have been better. 
and how we get those two to tie together, I think that goes into our codependency and our, our recovery. Sometimes maybe not even just codependency, but but self-worth, right? Feeling not good enough, no matter how good. Humans want to be perfect, even though we all know perfection is impossible. We still expect perfection from ourselves. I think the way to tie logic and emotion together is to fight those perceptions, those expectations, right? So when I get those feelings of I wasn't good enough, I should have done more, I should have been better, mom guilt, especially where my kids are concerned, I have to stop and examine that. What do I feel guilty for? What, what I wasn't good enough at what? Right. What more well, could I have done? Right. Like, really, what? And, like, and that's a question you have to ask. What more could I have done than I already did? And I think that's, in a lot of situations, how we tie that logic and emotion together is to examine the emotion. So many times we feel the emotion and then we ball it up and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Or... We pick it up and we drop it as quick as we can. Here, take it back. I don't want it. Take it back. Throw it away sometimes. Throw it to the, back to God, to our higher power. Um, How many times did you hear in your life, because I've heard this, suck it up, suck it up. Right. Stop that. Pick, right. I'll give you something to cry emotion, about. Right. Pick up that emotion and fold it up nice and tightly and put it in that box and put it up on the shelf until you have some time to deal with it in a better place. Yep. Right. What are you crying for? Wipe those tears. Don't let nobody see you cry. Right. We I remember oh. getting in trouble at, at, at home or at the, right, we'd be at the mall and I'd be doing something silly and get in trouble and, don't you embarrass me. Oh, quick, dry it up. Hurry up. People are looking. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean. Strong people don't show emotions, right? And I mean, that's what our society leads us to believe or used to. I think it's getting better. But it has right. been a long way to go. So I think that's how I think examining those emotions, feeling those feelings, exploring them, talking about them, sharing them, discussing them is how we tie what we logically know to what we feel. Going kind of going back to the mom guilt podcast. And, you know, I was I was feeling it. I was in my in my mom guilt a lot. And one of those things now, and this is what why it's so important to have someone that will challenge and offer a alternative look at things that it is in a healthy place. It goes back to making sure you're not going to the hardware store for milk. I every time when I start to feel that little that feeling of mom guilt, you pop in my head. And I will never forget you're like, Don, isn't your son getting your PhD? Don, isn't he self-sufficient? Don, isn't he? And you challenged every single thing that I said. And that pops in my head every time. So now I logically and I feel like I am a damn good mother. I I'm could, so happy to hear that. Yeah. I could have done some things. I could have taught my sons right to be in a healthier place but I couldn't because I wasn't there but the minute I got there now I'm giving that back to them my son got his two-month chip yay he is now going so I will share this I was avoiding sharing this because I did of anonymity but I can share this now for the last his first month and a half of CODA he was in our Thursday night meeting. I knew that. I saw him. I know you did. Certain people knew. Like, I had two people reach out. One person would set, pinged me in the meeting. Oh, my God, I just figured out who that person is. <laughs> yep. As soon as he talked and showed his face, I knew he was yours. Sorry, Dylan, you look like your mom. <laughs> he does look like his mama. Dylan looks like his mama. Um, I, knew. I knew. As soon as he shared, I knew he was yours. Yes. So... There was, and his sponsor was completely okay with him starting out in the, right? And I trust his sponsor implicitly. So his sponsor was okay with him coming. We very much kept anonymity. Other than the time he said he had, he 
stepped up and said he had one month. I my voice cracked. I was shit. I was leading that day, and when I came back, on, when he said it, and I had to congratulate him, my voice cracked, and he caught it. He ca- I heard it. Did you? He um he texted Colin afterwards and like I made mom cry in the meeting. <laughs> It was so hard to keep going. I just wanted to go on mute so badly. Oh, God. But anyways, the whole point of this, sorry, Dylan, I'm lately on this hair, but he sent me this picture of this, of his medallion laying on his lap. And I was like, oh, where'd you get that? I thought maybe his sponsor mailed it to him. You know, something, you know, I didn't know. He's like, no, mom, I found a face-to-face meeting here, over here, and I went the other night, got my two-month medallion. I was like, how do you like I love it. I'm going to go back. I even shared. So he's actually found his own meeting. That's amazing. Right? So Congratulations. I can sit and I say, I could have done all this stuff differently. I could have taught him from a healthier place back then, but I couldn't because I wasn't there. But it doesn't matter because now my son has two months of healthy work he's doing on himself. It's never too late. It doesn't matter that I'm 52 years old and my life just started four or five years ago, whatever it is now, five years ago, right? Right. It doesn't matter because it's never too late. Now I can just take that with my, with parenting with him is, you know what? I continue to do the best I can as a parent. I'm always going to be his parent. I just get to parent differently now. And I actually am in love with the way I get to parent now because I didn't ask him if he was going to meetings when he because he what happened was he's got a he couldn't come back to Thursday night because um he's got a TA class teaching assistance class that night so he's like I won't be able to come back mom and I go okay I didn't ask him if he was going to a meeting right I didn't ask him if what he was doing you know I don't ask him if he's talking to his sponsor I don't talk to his sponsor right Right, that's not your place. It's not my place. So there's where I've, I if I can have boundaries in this with this program and being able to allow my son to have his own journey, I can take those efforts and apply them to the other way areas that I parent. Because absolutely, there's no difference. Not at all. Just the topic's different. Right, and and it's more difficult in some aspects because you care more about them. Yes. Was it hard to not want to? especially with my experience in coda the meeting and the and the sponsoring and all and right and having the resources that i you know i have and wanting to share wanting to share a language of letting like oh this is language of letting go i can see dylan in this let me share it with him no i can't do that yeah i don't talk recovery unless he brings it up to me it is not a conversation we have right because i don't want to talk about my recovery with him if he doesn't i don't want him to ask me about my recovery my recovery is mine. When I talk about my recovery is when I talk about my recovery, not when somebody else asks me. Yeah. Unless yes. I'm in the meeting, I'm in a place where someone that has come to the program is asking me from a place of wanting to understand it better. That's different. Right. If you're in recovery coming to me to ask about recovery, I am happy to share my journey. However, if you are a person in my life coming to me to ask me about my recovery to gauge my progress i am not interested right that's right i think that's the big difference because anybody and everybody can come to me and say hey ash how's life tell me about coda tell me about the 12 steps tell me about your spiritual growth over the last five years and i am happy to share this journey i i long to share this journey because of the freedom and the love and the acceptance that it has given. At the same time, if someone is coming to me to judge my progress in this journey, this is my journey, not theirs. And I'm not interested in their judgment on my progress. All right, so there's one other area I wanted to kind of talk about, and I talked about it in the Valentine's Day podcast. Um, So that's been a a couple weeks by the time this one comes out. But I mentioned at the end of the meeting or end of our discussion that I had agreed to go to this meetup thing on Friday night. And I was saying it out loud to you because I wanted to be have some accountability. Right. So I'm gonna kind of and this goes into this whole for me this logic and feeling thing plays into that kind of topic. So I was, you know, busy at work, was doing my thing all week, Friday come and I was working from home and 
I, okay, I'm going out, you know, I'm gonna go out, and but there was still this constant in my head. Maybe I shouldn't go. I'm tired. I don't like to go out on Friday nights. What if this? What if that? Right? All of these thoughts. Yeah. Yes. We're all in my head. But I kept in my head, Dawn, you put it out there. You got to go. You put it out there. You got to go. Like, right? I was, it was, and it wasn't that I was it, from a place of, I had to admit, I would like. You were holding yourself accountable. Exactly. So I'm going to do this. And I, I got around. And of course, when I go out, you know, there is some self-doubts. But again, logically, I, I'm going to go. I'm, there's going to be somebody to talk to, right? I'm going to be fine. There'll be somebody to talk to. But there's still those little feelings that come in. So I get around. I was, I was feeling, did my makeup, took extra time with my hair, right? I, was, I felt really good about myself. I left. Still hesitantly, not what, like, there was still part of me, like, that I was, I was in fear. There was very much still fear within me. And, but I was of what? If you asked me and I wasn't, hadn't done the work, you know, to understand what fear is, I would have told you, well, I don't know. There was nothing to be afraid of. The fear was for me, because I know myself, of not feeling good enough compare, you know, in my head, comparing myself to people that were going to be there. What people are going to think this, people are going to think that, right? All of these thoughts that there are their opinions of me and basically of me in a nutshell, being scared of not being good enough, not measuring up. Logically, I know that is not true. Uh-huh. Logically, 100% know that is not true. Logically, I know I'm a beautiful woman. I know I have a wonderful personality. I know that. But then those feelings start coming in. So I have to, they battle in my head. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay that they battle. Because it's really keeping me accountable. And as long as I'm aware of it, like I never got yucky feelings. Like my, you know, normally my whole body would have taken, like felt uh, and like stressed and my stomach would have been upset and none of that happened because every time I got a self, I got a doubt in my head, I came back with something logical. So here's where I think you're tying your logic and emotion together is that battle. Yeah. So, right. So picture this before recovery, before healthy living, you begin to wage that battle and now you feel sick, and now you're anxious, and now you're not going, and you lost that battle, right? Your codependency Correct. has won. Your emotion, your 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 illogical emotions have won out, um, which is the trauma of your life, right? So then, with your healthy growth and your recovery and your your living healthy living, your growth, that battle persists, and yes, that battle is still there. It's not gone yet. You spent how many of your how many years of your life living with that battle and then losing? Mm-hmm. So you can't just all of a sudden the battle's going to go away completely, right? First, you got to win the battle, <laughs> and then you got to convince yourself that you're going to keep winning. Then you trust yourself that you're going to win, and then eventually the battle's not going to be there. But that right, that's part of tying that logic and emotion. Logically, I know I am a beautiful, smart, talented, amazing woman. Emotionally, I am feeling not good enough. I am feeling icky or self-deprecating. Or I'm so still that them, I'm still that little girl. There's that little that little dawn is still in there. Right. Right. And she fights so to come that, out. Absolutely. Right? And, and so tying that logic and emotion together, that's what that battle is, mm-hmm. is tying, that's that mental battle that you're describing, is how am I tying that logic and emotion together? And when I finally tie them together is when that battle goes away. Yeah. So I went, I got there, I texted how, you know, how, because again, I didn't know any of these, you know, didn't know these people, there's supposed to be 10 to 12 people there. Um, so I'm sending a message in saying, you know, how do I find you? She's like, I'll be outside. Then she messaged back and said, I'm going to, you know, told us exactly where she was sitting. So I get there. I walk in. I look to where she should be sitting. She was there. Her face lights up when she sees me. She's like, Dawn. I'm like, yes. And I said her and she's like, yes. And she comes over, gives me this big hug. We sit there. We talked like we just 
had known each other for the longest time. Like, right, getting just the comfortability. Not Like, right, we were getting to know each other because it was information. And it ended up just being in a, her and I for like a half hour. Oh, that's cool. Right? It was amazing. And we hit it off. Um, and then another lady comes in. And she sits down and she fits right in as well. So here's the three of us who then nobody else showed up. It was just the three of us, had an amazing time, ended up staying there till like nine o'clock, made plans, made plans. Last night, the three of us met up and watched the Super Bowl. That's awesome. Next Friday, this coming Friday, we're going um, out to a Brazilian steakhouse together. We've talked it. We've talked about going to Disney together and taking a cruise together. And we hit it off to that level. That's amazing. I wasn't uncomfortable. And it was really what was so, God, this is where it's like, I'm sitting there and the one lady, she's like, we, I was talking, they don't have, they, neither one of them have kids. And so I was talking and said something about my youngest graduating this year. And she's like, you have an 18-year-old? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you are not old enough. Like, you don't look old enough. Like, how? <laughs> like, you don't look old enough. How? And I'm like, I was looked at her funny. And I was like, well, I have a 28-year-old. She's like, how the fuck? She's like, well, she says, how the fuck? How fucking old were you? <laughs> and she's like, well, I would have never. She's like, I would have guessed maybe 40. Well, I mean, but even at 40, the song of 18 year old. 18 was not, was fine. 28 is a different story, though. Tw- yeah. I, right, I get it. I, that's, I mean, and what a heck of a compliment, right? Right. And then, so there was that. And then after she left, the other lady and I were talking and we, I don't know, something was said and she was like, oh, cause I told her, you know, I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm out there trying to, you know, trying to date when whatever. And she's like, um, she's like, oh, you'll, you know, somebody will come along. There's somebody out there. You have, you're beautiful. You have a wonderful personality. And I was like, yeah, I know. I said, if they do, they do. They don't, they don't. She's like, well, now, now it's just guaranteed. It's going to happen. And she's like, you know, when you walked in, she's like, you, I just looked at you, you know, your, your face lit up when you smiled, your whole, she's like, you, you, I love your, like, she was just so complimentary. Aww. And the funny thing about it is, this is what other people, I said, thank you. I did not, did not dismiss what they said. That is one thing that's very important. I did not dismiss what they said. All I said was thank you. Good, because that's really, really difficult for people like us. It is. I realized the story that I tell myself is not a true story. I am my worst enemy. I am my worst critic. I am the first person to set myself up for failure. Usually, yeah. And, but logically, I knew all of this going into it. I knew it was going to work out just fine. I logically knew if it didn't, I would never go again. Who cares, right? But that doesn't mean those feelings still did not try to push their way in. Right. And I think that it's important for us to remember that this is not, right? I am 39 years old. I have spent... 39 years living with those feelings those feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt and worthlessness and not being good enough those they don't just go away overnight right i've literally spent 39 years perfecting those feelings loving those feelings coddling those feelings, making those sure those feelings had every single thing they needed to grow and expand. And now I've spent two, three, four, five years trying to negate the last 39 years. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. Those feelings aren't going to just go away. I may fight them for the next 39 years. The difference is where I used to fight them and lose, 
Now I'm fighting them and winning. And eventually, I may not have to fight them nearly as often or for nearly as long. And I will always win. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know that that battle that you were talking about ever goes away. I don't think it does. I don't. And that's okay. This, this journey is about progress, not perfection. Nothing in this world is perfect. You know, one of my favorite sayings, and I don't know that anybody else says this. I, I don't know that I ever read it anywhere. I know I say it all the time. Progress is perfection. Ah, uh, yes. As long as I am making progress, I am perfect. Yep. Perfect. I don't know any other way to say it. Perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. You know, something else I found really interesting, and I, for the last five years or so, my friendships, air quote friendships, has been all about my Coda family. For the most part, even my girlfriend um, that during COVID when we started kayaking and, you know, all of that, I met her through Coda and Coda was very much part of our relationship. Um, When the relationship, when she kind of fell out of the program that's when our relationship kind of ended as well um but one thing i found interesting was the last the last two nights that i was out with these um with these ladies i didn't talk coda i didn't share with them that i'm in coda they know i do a podcast they know i go to a meeting they know i created a website they know I'm an accountant. They know I have two kids, right? They know that stuff, but they don't know about Coda. And it's not that I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to tell them about it because I told them I'm in. You know, like I go to. You know, I'm in. I do meetings every night, right? I'm really busy in a program that is working on having healthier relationships with ourselves and and others, and right. But I didn't go into any detail. Because it was nice to have a conversation with two people that were not, was not, had nothing to do with my recovery. Okay. And I, I didn't realize how freeing that would be. I wasn't trying to change them. I, I looked back like I do in every try to look back in every situation, you know, whether I reflect at night and do my own, inv- you know, at, and do my inventory at night or after a situation. So I had to drive home. So I did my inventory driving home and nothing popped out that I acted or behaved or in, a, in an unhealthy way. I stayed in a very healthy place. I did not overshare. I did not, I've sat with these women twice for a total of seven hours they don't need to know my whole life so let me ask you this you you had just said that you you enjoyed this partially because they had nothing to do with coda yeah um with the coda recovery do you do you think that maybe it's not so much that they had nothing to do with coda versus that you were not being codependent in any way. I think that's what it is. Because they're, for me, they're, t- they're, they're unfortunately kind of tied together. I'm always talking about my own, my, my good and bad behaviors. I'm always talking about, right, being, being honest and, and living with integrity and being truthful and sharing my, you know, my... Um, strength and hope. Experience, strength and hope. Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's something I'm constantly talking about, and it was right. Right. It was just nice to well, have. Not only in this situation were you not talking about, but they didn't. They they weren't talking about it. They didn't know anything right. about it. Which, right, so I'm sure that was freeing in a way. But then you add in not only 
were you not talking about recovery and they not talking about recovery or CODA, but you also were healthy in interacting. So I'm going to use air quotes, normal people. I don't know how else I to know, say right? it, right? You interacted in a healthy way with people who have no recovery in their life that you're aware of. Correct. And that, like, when I interact with people who are not in recovery, the interactions tend to be more difficult for me because I have to be more aware of myself. Yeah. So to have interactions with people not in recovery, not in a 12-step program or a healthy living program specifically, because I don't think 12-step is the way, but... To have interactions with people who are not in a program of some sort and be healthy is just congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And I didn't realize this piece of my life. I Okay. I logically knew this piece was not in my life, right? I live my life every day. I know that I do a lot of things by myself. Um... And I, I'm okay with that, right? I'm, I'm good with that. And I've, I didn't realize it was the piece that there was a part of me that was missing on having actual friends. And I'm going to specifically say girlfriends, right? We haven't, we haven't. People to gossip and vent with, people to just be a girl with. Yes. 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 And you know, what happened, and I did not expect this, it minimized a big portion of any desire to hunt for a relationship. Because Really? What, yes. I was looking for companionship. And I, because of my old patterns and old thoughts, immediately I go to a dating app, right? Just go to... Right. Looking the for the only way I can get companionship is with a significant other. And all of a sudden, Friday night, I you know I'm out. Saturday night, I stayed home. I didn't go anywhere. And you know what? There was not one point last that night that I felt alone. Not one. I was grateful to have the evening at home. I enjoyed the evening at home. I knew I was going out the next night to go to the Super Bowl. I knew that I had plans next Friday. So now what happened is because I filled this void that I didn't even know was missing, all of a sudden my life just took on a whole level, another level of fullness. Wow. And now I'm like, eh, if a person that I'm supposed to be in a romantic relationship and he, they're the person I'm there, there, he's out there. There's somebody out there, right? But I'm not hunting for him anymore. There you go. It, it, there was just something like I said, there was a void in my life that I thought that I did not realize what it was. And I thought it was a romantic relationship, romantic companionship. And it wasn't. It was just companionship. And I don't. So how did this meetup come up? How did you find out about it? It's so there's an app. It's called Meetup. M-E-E-T-U-P. It's you download, right. you download the app. You sign up. They have them. Um categories from social to sports to spirituality to so did this one just kind of pop up on your homepage or something i was searching for the groups i typed in the word um female friends and a list popped up and this one was um for 40 people 40 plus and that's how i found it i write it's so just one night on a whim, you open this thing up and scrolled through and picked one. Yep. You didn't, there wasn't any forethought. Nope. You didn't like, hey, I'm going to go find some friends. Let me see if there's people my age. You just, let me, you just picked it up and did it. Yep. That sounds like a higher power moment there. Well, remember so, I said earlier, there was supposed to be 10 or 12 people there. And there was only three that showed up. Three women who have very much are my equal, right? Not, mm -hmm. right, there wasn't a huge disparity between the two, right, or the three of us, right? Right. 
um, like-minded. Um, it just it still blows me away because it was, and we and the th- and the other two people said the same thing. Like, what's the fluke thing? Ten people or ten to twelve people are supposed to show up, and three people show up. We hit it off, and now we're like bam, 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 bam. It was a higher. Right? It was a higher power moment. My higher power because I got the hell out of my own way, and I That's just it. trusted for one moment. I trusted that I'm gonna put my. I put something out in the universe when I said to you, I am saying this out loud because if I now if I don't go, I have to tell you I chickened out. And I right that might sound really really shitty that I right that I'm like oh god I don't want to be a chicken. But you know what? It made me go. I was accountable and I went because I wanted to be able to come back and share my experience, strength, and hope in th- with this discussion with you. And guess what? It's That's what happened. And I think, too, another aspect of that also is, right, you typically would have picked up your phone and picked up a dating app. Yep. And for some reason, instead of opening up the dating app, you just followed this instinct and opened up this meetup group instead. Yep. And on some whim that you didn't even understand, you just went with it. You got the hell out of your own way. You put yourself well aside and you followed this higher power to this amazing evening, which turned into an amazing weekend, which is leading into a pretty decent friendship it sounds like yeah and if not if right let's say it falls to the wayside let's say we go the three of us go out five times and then all of a sudden it falls to the wayside you know what what this showed me was there's an there's going to be another group on there and I, i like i don't have to be all in with this friendship these 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 women either right there are thousands of meetup groups I need to continue putting myself out there. I need to find another group and I need to go to that too. I don't, it's not because I have done this in relationships my entire life, especially romantic relationships. I'm all in on one person day one. Right. And this shows you it's not about one person. There's people out there. What, right. What I needed was companionship. What I thought I needed was a relationship with a significant other. What I found was companionship where I thought I would never find it. Correct. But without putting myself out there, without getting the hell out of my own way, same goes for your story as well in the beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because without putting myself out there, I'd never, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be starting a new job on Monday. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if it was angry applying. It doesn't matter if it was logical applying. It doesn't matter... You trusted your higher power when you you went through the process and when the job came around and everything, you right, you just trusted. Right. I mean, yeah. And that's what we have to do. Just get out of our own way and let our higher powers work and... Have faith. Yeah, have faith. And hang on because when they work, whoo. <laughs> It's funny. Boy, when it works, it works. It it is absolutely amazing. It doesn't get bad. It doesn't. And I'm not saying that life doesn't do what life does. Life, right? You get hit with hardballs sometimes. Life throws curveballs all the time. But even with those curveballs, it doesn't get as bad as it used to. It gets way better than it ever was. But it doesn't get nearly as bad as it used to. At all. I want to share one story with you really quick of higher power working. One of my sponsees, um, her brother is is fairly wealthy. And so he invited her parents to go to the Super Bowl. VIP parties to the Super Bowl, great seats, the whole nine. Um, But he did not, her brother did not invite her kids. And she was very resentful and very kind of, well, why would he, you know, he didn't invite me and we didn't invite them. And she was very angry and resentful about it. And so we talked about it a little bit. And I'm like, well, first of all, he's not obligated to do anything to for anybody. So, you know. Right. And so it kind of this whole, she, you know, she did her work and she, she does. She works so hard and is always very reflective on, on, on our conversations and, so she asked her higher power to 
help her let go of this resentment. And one of the things that she has been talking about, not getting enough time with her kids one-on-one. -on -one. That like just the like the three of her and her three kids, not their significant others, not the grandbabies, right? Right. And so she asked her higher power to let go of help her let go of this resentment. And she said within an hour of having this honest conversation with her higher power, she gets a call or a text message from her kids, the, the this group text message that the th that her two oldest son her two sons who both are, are married, are going to come over and watch the Super Bowl with her. So it was her three kids and her to watch the Super Bowl, and they stayed the night. That's amazing. Because she asked for what she needed, and she did it in an, an authentic, intentional way. That's amazing. And, and sometimes we won't get what we think we need. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've asked for what I believe I need, and not gotten it. Yep. And then years later, looked back and said, thank God he didn't give me what I thought I needed. Yeah. Even though it hurt like hell at the time. You know, it's... I think that's important. It is. It is. You gotta ask for what you need. You will never, ever get what you need if you don't ask for it. Right. You have to ask for what you need. And just because you ask for it doesn't mean you'll get it. Or you're going to like it. That too. <laughs> that too. I've asked for patience more times than I can count. And believe me, <laughs> I do not like how we go about achieving patience. I know that sucks. <laughs> the only way to learn patience is to be tested. Yep. I wanted to know, probably it's been six months ago now. I wanted a year ago now. I can't remember now, but... I wanted to, there was part of me that was questioning the guy that brought me here. Kind of like, you know, I was like, gosh, I wonder what he's, you know, wonder what he's doing. I wonder what, you know. I remember. Yeah. And I really was like, so I said this to my therapist and she's like, well, you can ask. Go ahead and ask. But be careful what you ask for. Because just because you ask doesn't mean he's going to show you the way you think he should show you. Right. You may not see a Facebook post by accident. Instead, maybe they show up knocking on your door. Exactly. Or what if you run into him and his new wife? Right. God, yeah. Right? What if you... So, you know what? I never asked. I actually said, I don't need to know that. And now I don't even question it anymore. Be right? So, the, there's very... It, when you talk to your higher power, you still have to... Just like you talk... To other people, you have to be intentional with what you're asking for. and But at the same time, not so specific that he's not going to work. you got to let him have the reins. Right, I have to have faith. Have to have faith. Well, Ashley, congratulations on the new job. I'm um, very excited for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It'll be a, an interesting transition, especially without working with the dogs. But um, So what will you be doing? I will be inventory control. Okay. That'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be different. Yeah. Um, it, it will definitely be an interesting endeavor. Um, it's something different. Well, you know what? Something different. Coda was something different for us, and look what it gave us. Right. Like, it's a blank slate. I don't yeah. know what to expect. I don't have any expectations. I, um... I'm excited for the adventure, and I'm excited to see where this road will lead. Well, if it's ha for you, you, you know, you deserve the world. You know I believe that, and um, so I'm really excited. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. So, Me too. Thank yeah. you. So thank you for the All topic right. tonight. Well, thank you. It was great. Don't forget to listen to the podcast. It comes, a new one comes out every Tuesday. Check out the website at workityouareworthit.com, and yeah. This has been another amazing conversation, Dawn. I love talking to you. I know, me too. Me too. So, all right. Until next week, thank you, everyone, listeners, people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.
Find you to make. 